The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews is brought to you by Spirituality and Health Magazine, the soul-body connection. Visit SpiritualityHealth.com today. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living. You know, staying present is one of the hardest things we must learn to do if we're to integrate body, mind, and soul. And that integration is what authenticity is all about. As David Ord, our guest for today, puts it, a lot of us have moments when we are present, but we can't sustain it throughout our workday and time with our family. We either drift into thought or we become emotionally reactive to something that upsets us. Sustaining that presence is what Michael Brown's book, The Presence Process, is all about. And David is coming today to talk to us about that process since Michael can't be here. David is Michael's editor and an author in his own right. Both from his own work and from the work of editing Michael's work, he can speak very clearly to the process of integration that occurs as a result of the presence process. David Ord is the editorial director from Namaste Publishing Company and the author of Your Forgotten Self and the audiobook Lessons in Loving, A Journey into the Heart. For a quarter of a century, David was an ordained minister and a teacher of the traditional themes of Christianity and the story of Jesus. He'd been fascinated with Jesus since elementary school and spent years searching for his own truth about Jesus and spirituality. That search finally led him to a peaceful place in which Jesus is seen as but a mirror in which each of us can look to find our own truest essence. Now his audiobook Lessons in Loving offer a deep wisdom that takes readers on a journey deep into that essential nature to find the peace that allows for healing and re-imaging a life when loss and pain have broken us down. And today, Michael is here to talk to us about the present. I'm sorry, David is here to talk to us about the presence process. So, welcome, David, to the show. And I'm so glad that you've been able to do this for us today. It's uh, this uh, topic is so very important to so many people. Well, there's no greater honor than to be able to speak on behalf of uh, Michael for the presence process, and also his other book, Alchemy of the Heart. They are just two of the finest works that have ever been put out on this planet. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what do you? What, let's just start off with sort of defining what we mean when we say staying present. Those terms are tossed about a bit, quite quite a bit lately. So, what does that mean? Well, Eckhart Tolle, who is um, um, the reason that Namaste Publishing was founded in the first place, in order to publish the Power of Now, talks a great deal about how we tend to. Um, we tend to shift into thinking about what has happened, uh, perhaps feeling guilty about it or regrets or, or would have, could have, should have, or we are 
in a future moment when we're anxious about what might happen. And that has fear and foreboding, anxiety. And those take us out of the experience of being here right now with just this thing we're doing. You know, if you and I are sitting here talking on microphones and we're thinking about uh, the ice cream sundae we're going to have after dinner tonight, um, which I'm not, but, but mm-hmm. if we were, then we, we would not be fully present with each other. We would not be present with our audience. And so presence is what Michael calls present moment awareness. It means that I'm right here, 100%, with my full attention in this moment, not somewhere in the past or the future, or in fact, some other location, just right here. Right. So why do you think it's so easy for us to, to, to stay out of the present? You know, it's something that we were trained into when we were very, very little. Mm-hmm. I can remember when I was a little kid, my mom and dad would be leaving the house, and um, I would see a caterpillar on the sidewalk. And I wanted to get down and investigate. Come on, we haven't time for that. Hurry up. Don't dawdle. And so much of our life as a child is exactly like that. We are schooled in, trained in, not being present, not being right here with what has drawn our attention in this moment. And in fact, we have built a very complicated world that is um, designed according to schedules in such a manner that it's very difficult in much of life to be actually fully present in the moment. Right. And that seems to be based in fear, doesn't it? That whole idea of hurry up, let's get there, maybe somebody will be, I'm afraid somebody will be mad at me for being late, so you have to hurry too, and that kind of thing. There's some fear based to some of that too, right? I think fear is a, a great part of that. The anxiety of the parent then rubs off on the child. Right. Um, I think that also the parents are wanting to avoid their own pain. Mm-hmm. And one of the key reasons that we avoid the present moment is because if we actually become present in this moment, the first thing we're going to begin to experience in most cases is the hurt that's in our past. Right. Because our center, which is totally peaceful, calm, joyous. Now, when I say joyous, I'm not talking about the same thing as happy, which is a feeling that can come and go according to, you know, well, I've got my birthday tomorrow, so it'll be happy birthday, you know. But joy is a different thing. It's a much deeper bedrock sense of my being, being valid, um, that allows me then to experience the whole gamut of emotions without any one of them taking me under because they don't touch who I am at my core. So there is also in that core love, the feeling of valuing, reaching out, wanting to connect and to share, and to to be our best self for other people. Those are all our core. But between that core and where we are in our rush most of the time, there is a lot of pain. 
and it's rather like the earth covered in clouds, pre uh, preventing the sun's rays from penetrating and warming everything up. So what has to happen first is that uh, we have got to become present, and when that happens, we will start to feel painful emotions. And we then work through a process of integrating. We don't want to get rid of that. So many people are trying to get out of their pain, get rid of their pain. What we want to do is to integrate that pain so that that energy that has been trapped in us, locked up in us, then becomes free to flow and becomes a very creative aspect of our life. So this is a very important step, emotional processing, which brings us to the place finally that that emotion isn't blocking our present moment awareness. Now, in present moment awareness, instead of then having a lot of pain from the past that is haunting us like ghosts, now we begin to feel in this moment right here. And that will trigger its own emotional life. Are you there, David? Well, I think we lost David for just a minute there, and I'm going to ask the production staff to call him back. But while we're doing that, I think what we want to talk about is that, is that it is important to consider the dynamics of what's going on in the present. And it is us, the individual, the core person that we are, interacting with the present moment. Um, so it's an internal and external exchange, a little like a teeter, uh, seesaw or a teeter-totter, as they say here in the South. And uh, it's important to really be able to recognize that present moment. Uh, one of the things that Michael Brown tells us in his book is that the thinking mind cannot bring us to present moment awareness because it can only operate in a time-based paradigm. So what he's saying is the thinking will not get us there. You there, David? Yes, I'm there. I, now, what point did you lose me? And I'll pick it up. I think what you were talking about was the whole idea of the condition of the emotional body, as Michael puts it, that, that there is pain between us and our core self. Right. So what happens then is it's like the clouds occluding the sun so that they can't shine and warm and give life to the earth. So we go through emotional processing, and this is what the presence process takes us through in a 10-week process. It awakens us to all of this pain, this hurt from the past, that stands between us and the joy, the love, the peace and the calm that are the core of our being. And the presence process is the most powerful I know. After Hurricane Katrina, which I, um, I went through, um, I found myself ex experiencing something I had only ever heard about before, but it was uh, anxiety to the level of being PTSD, post-traumatic stress. And nothing I knew of all my spiritual growth over the years could get me out of it. And, you know, in that state, your body becomes very acidic instead of alkaline. Your entire chemistry is thrown off. When I started the presence process, within two weeks, that burning, acidic state that just wouldn't allow me to be at peace in any way 
just evaporated. I, I have never come across a process so powerful as what Michael has given us in the presence process. Right. Now, I'm, not su- I'm not suggesting that you will solve all of the hurt in your past in two weeks. What I'm saying is it got me back to normal functioning. And then I went on, and I've done the presence process probably four or five times over the last four years. And it's just been a tremendous value to me. I think a person has to do it about three times. And then much of the emotion that has residue from the past, built up from the past, that carries that emotional wallop when something happens in the present that resonates with it. That then dissipates, and now we can feel the emotion, the feeling that is appropriate for this moment now, right here in the present. All right. And we'll be talking some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more from David Ord on Michael Brown's book, The Presence Process. We'll be right back. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor in sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. 
You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back, and you know that this show is sponsored by Spirituality and Health Magazine, the Soul Body Connection, one of America's most prestigious spiritual magazines, publishes six times a year and offers an amazing array of information for the seeker, both in print and online. Check them out at www.spiritualityandhealth.com. No, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. www.spiritualityhealth.com. And, uh, yeah, check them out. They've got some wonderful articles and wonderful uh, uh, experience, experiment, experiential things that you can do online as well. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the whole idea. The presence process is a 10-week sort of course, and one of the things that Michael talks about in the, in the, uh, in the book is the whole idea of a seven-year cycle for our lives. Can you explain what he means by that? Yes. If you think about, uh, we have to modify this a little bit today because there are so many hormones that are um, in our entire system from our meat to um, plastics which mimic estrogen and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that over the last number of years, there is a change. Um, Puberty is happening much sooner for people now. But generally in the past, we spent the first seven years of our life in emotional development. Then the next seven years, we went to school. Beginning age six, seven, it's gotten younger and younger, but it didn't used to be that young. Um, We went to school and we focused on the mental. And then around age 14, and again, this has become younger now, but around age 14, physical growth used to really kick in and suddenly we were shooting up in height and girls were developing in their figure and boys were developing muscles and facial hair and their voice um, becoming deep and so forth. So there are these three sections of growth in our life and at age 21, we reach that point where basically those three foundational stages have been completed and then we have a big celebration of becoming of age at age 21. So that is the seven-year cycles. Now, if you look at them a little more closely, the first one, a child at first, we don't communicate with it in ways that involve the mental. And neither does it communicate that way. I was watching uh, last night um, what turned out to be a quite delightful movie, Marley and Me. It's about a a family having a a dog called Marley, and then they also have um, three children as they go on, and it's the strains and stresses. In fact, I was reminded as I was watching it of um, Shefali Sabri, Dr. Shefali Sabri's new book that we have just published at Namaste Publishing called um, The Conscious Parent, because I edited that and she has a, a chapter in it that is devoted to exactly what was happened to that couple last night as the dog and the kids were just driving them nuts. Yeah. But you can't talk to a child at that age and they can't talk to you to tell you what's wrong and what's going on. And so it's a very emotionally communicative thing. They're going to cry, they're going to pitch a fit, um, and you won't know what's going on. All the 
all the correspondence between us, the communication, is happening at an emotional level. Now, that creates what Michael calls the emotional body. Um, it's, it's, it's a body of, of reactivity, of, of, of ways we've been programmed emotionally that have become brain patterns from which we now operate for the rest of our life. And then in a similar way, um, we get into the mental body. And in those years in school, we're learning how to think, how to reason, how to, to question and so forth. And then finally, the physical. Now, what we have to do if we're going to become present is we've got to go back through each of those seven years, not in a systematic way, and I'll explain why in a moment, but we have to go through the impact of each of those seven years that will take us back to the pristine condition of being purely present that was our state when we were first born and in our mother's and father's arms, and, and we were just right there. All of our emotions, all of our uh, reactions, uh, they were very present. They were... They were just this moment now. There was no thought happening to take us into the past or the future. Uh, no anxiety. If we, if we cried, we cried about something that was present in this moment without that enormous emotional wallop behind it of all the times in our past when this happened, which have built up what Michael calls an emotional charge, and we could liken it to what Eckhart Tolle calls the pain body. It's just a mass of emotion that is left over from those years that is unintegrated. And what we find is that what was established during those first seven years in terms of emotional patterns tends to repeat at roughly seven-year intervals throughout the rest of our life. And it's quite remarkable when you start doing the presence process, which is just a book that you use at home yourself. There's no classes or no mentors or anyone, you know. It's just a process for you to do alone. And when you start doing that, the amazing thing is you begin to see how you've played out these foundational emotional charges all the way through your life. You've been attracted to the same kind of girl, the same kind of man. You've been attracted. They looked different. Everything externally seemed different. But the emotional makeup was the same kind of resonance. Um, it's the same in our places of work. It's no accident where you are working right now, whatever your job may be, the dynamics that are happening with the different staff. It's not accidental. If you once begin to do the presence process, you will see that what's happening in your factory, your office, or wherever it is you work, or at home, you will see that those dynamics actually trace back all through your life in this emotional residence of that original emotional charge that is the emotional body or the pain body. So that has to be integrated. So... A lot of people today are trying to change their life. I have read a number of the books on this. Uh, I recently read one of the more recent ones by uh, Abraham. And um, I noticed that there is a slight shift in it. It's much more into feeling than just thought. 
I just uh, read um, the sequel to The Secret, which is uh, called The Power. And again, I see the same thing. You know, it was all supposed to be if you just have new thought, change your thought, you will change your whole life. Well, the problem is, for most people, it just didn't work. So now people are bringing in, well, you have to feel it. But what I see is people are trying to manipulate their feelings. They're supposed to feel a certain way. And so books like The Power and so forth, they are the opposite of what Michael Brown is saying in The Presence Process. Absolutely. There is no manipulation. There is no trying to make something happen. There is dealing with what is. Now, the emphasis of Eckhart Tolle is the same way. It's about dealing with what is, not trying to change it. And when we do the emotional, pro- emotional processing that's needed to integrate, not get rid of, but integrate the emotional charge from the past, the amazing thing is that our life situation then often spontaneously changes. One of our other authors um, He wrote a book called Health. It's all about consciousness. Ivan Rados, it's spelled I-V-A-N, but he comes from um, Europe, and so we pronounce it Ivan. But... um, Yes, he's been a reader on the show, too. Oh, has he? Oh, wonderful, because he talks about how, you know, so many people have got these intentions in their mind, their thoughts, to change their life. But as he points out, there's a lot of tension in that word intention. Because I'm, I'm gearing my thoughts, I'm training my thoughts, I'm being careful how I think, you know, if you've gone through, I've gone through most of these things at some time in my past before I finally awakened to what presence really means. And if you've gone through neuro-linguistic programming and all of this kind of thing, you know how you learn to be very careful about what you say because the universe will hear it and replicate it. Well, thank God that isn't true because 99.9% of what I've said in my life, thank God, has never come true. Really? (laughs) So, So the real issue here is we can't change our life by thinking in a new way. We have to first deal, deal with come to grips with, become present to, aware of the emotional charge. And then as we do so, it integrates. So that's kind of how the seven-year cycle thing, it, it, we go through it backwards. Um, and the mind in this plays an important part. It's what we navigate with. You use your mind, your awareness um, to read the um, text that Michael has provided, it's just short, uh, in the 10 chapters that uh, deal with the 10 weeks of this process. And so you are navigating through your day in such a manner that is when an emotional charge arises, is allowing you to identify it and see what it is. So if you're at the office, say, uh, uh, and someone says or does something that just really upsets you, and... Um, or they're just out to get me or whatever. What happens now, if you're doing this process, is you begin to recognize, as Michael puts it, that that is a messenger. It's triggering you to bring to your awareness a process that has been going on through your life ever since you first learned to be emotional in those first seven years. Absolutely. And we're going to come back and talk about more about that process of integration in just a few minutes with David Ord. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm. 
streamed media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with David Orr talking with us today about the revised edition of the Presence Process. And what we have uh, come to understand that now that um, we are not supposed to be getting rid of emotions we're, and we're not, and the Presence Process is not a thought process, we talked about that for a little bit as well uh, when, the, when we got disconnected, that, that it, and it's actually, that Michael says that it's not a process where we try, and even though we might in have develop an intention for the presence process, we might need to be able to understand that that intention may change over time while doing the presence process. So this is not something that, you know, you can sit down and go, okay, by in, at the end of this 10 weeks, I'm going to be here, here, and here. It's not about that. It's a process that actually allows you to do something that Carl Jung talked about in terms of differentiating the various aspects of yourself and then integrating those aspects into your truest self. Michael talks about choosing to be with our pain or discomfort. What's the difference between being with pain and discomfort and the negative emotional body? Ah, that is a wonderful question. You know, there are many people who are drowning in pain. They are wracked by painful thoughts, churning tumultuous emotions constantly in their waking hours and in their dreams. And what Michael is talking about in the presence process 
is the ability to feel it. And that is very different from being caught up in it. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you should ask this question because just two or three days ago, I think it was, on the Namaste Publishing website, um, I, I write two blogs on there each day, The Compassionate Eye, in which we're studying Eckhart Tolle's uh, Stillness Speaks each day. And then I write one called Consciousness Rising, which is where I can express more of my personal opinions rather than just trying to speak generally for all the authors of Namaste Publishing. And in that one, we're, we're studying the story of the little prince, which I consider one of the most if any book was ever channeled, and I, I'm not a believer so much in channeling, but if any book was ever channeled, it was, to me, The Little Prince. It's the most astounding story of journeying through the pain body and coming out of it to where all of that pain has been integrated. So there is a world of difference between wallowing, I was explaining in this blog in Consciousness Rising the other day, wallowing in pain being caught up in it, and being able to feel our pain. And the difference is that when you're caught up up in it, you can't observe it. You can't see, okay, here is this pain, and here is me. It just feels like the whole thing is you. So you're not actually feeling the pain, you are being the pain. Now what we are talking about in emotional processing is the ability to step back from that, And here Eckhart Tolle talks about putting a little space around it and being able to observe it, to step back from it and let ourselves just feel what's happening. And once you begin to observe, to watch, to become aware of what the emotions are that are turning inside you, there is a qualitative shift within you. And now you are being with the pain, which is way different from wallowing in the pain. When, when I didn't understand this a number of years ago, and I had um, a relationship with a girl that just wasn't working, and I was in awful emotional pain and all of that, what I used to do all the time was talk to my friends about it. And I, I couldn't wait to get together and pour a glass of wine, some food, and just to talk and go over looking at the thing from every possible angle. And you're just caught up in this whole melodrama of emotional turmoil. And that just gets more and more painful because it's like a choir rehearsing the groove gets deeper and deeper and deeper until you can hardly get yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Being with our pain is so different from this. There is, a, there is a, a space around it, a distance between it and ourselves. We're not attached to it anymore. And you know what happens now when pain arises in my life or some emotion comes up that's maybe not pleasant? I can sit with it and I never have to talk to anyone about it. And when I sit with it, and I'm just present to it, it integrates. Mm-hmm. It's such a diff- there's no more torment. Yeah, yeah. I think so many times when I'm working with clients, um, 
in therapy, one of the things that happens so much is you said we are we we are not um, sitting with the pain. We're become, we're being the pain, and that it is. We identify with the pain, and we make it who we are. But through because we are also thinking people, what we tend to do is make that pain mean something about us. So if I'm today I'm lonely, well then. I guess I'm just a bad person, and and yes. that's why I'm lonely, and I'm going to be lonely forever, and that's how it's always going to be. And then, of course, we fall into a depression and can't figure out why we, how we got there. And we got there because we interpreted our pain to mean something about us. Yeah, this is what Eckhart Tolle describes as the story of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you know, Byron Katie talks about what is your story and what would you, who would you be without your story. Yes, so, yes. Yeah, so that whole idea is one where um, we we can either identify with that that emotion or we can say, I'm going to sit with it as its observer and its friend, and by doing that we become aware and it's not it doesn't take over our lives. And, and you know, something quite wonderful happens when we sit with it because we, where there's been blocked emotion in the past, it's trapped energy, mm-hmm. and now that becomes freed up. But, but something else happens, and that is in those areas of my life in which I have had all that trapped energy, as that has become freed up, it is those areas that have become my cutting edge. They have become where I'm creative and able to, to offer something. Um, I was talking recently with a former uh, uh, um, NFL player. Uh, he's a friend of mine and uh, of, of my son, and in, in chatting with him about how his career ended and then how he um, eventually went on to uh, coach people in their development emotionally because, you know, many athletes in games like football and so forth are, are pretty Darwinian in their approach. It's, it's not a too cosmic approach. Yeah. And um, they're very reactive. I mean, you know, they'll throw their golf clubs down and because they're upset over something. Or, uh, so you see a lot of that reactivity happening. And what we're talking about here is being able to come to a place of maturity to where we can handle our emotions in a productive way. And that becomes our strength. So you see, in this particular person's case, he, he loved football, but when he could no longer play it, the amazing thing is, as he looked back through his life, everything, including the football, he suddenly realized was just preparing him, giving him the cutting edge for where his real mission, his purpose, his meaning in life lies. Now, I found that in my own life. All of the pain that I've gone through is the very thing that has become, as it's been integrated, what I can now help other people with through my writing. Mm -hmm. And of course, it was the same with Michael Brown. You know, he was suffering this horrible illness, and it was the presence process that developed and brought him out of that that empowered him to, to seed into the world this incredible understanding that is so different from most of what's out there to whereby we begin to, after we have worked through the pain of our emotional past, we begin to become truly alive, feeling people now. And we can feel the whole of life. We can feel the the happy times, the sad times. Uh, We lost a very good friend the other day, 
uh, in New Orleans, who had been a member of my church, as I have mentioned to you, and she was 89 years of age. And I found myself able to feel the complete sadness of that, and tears come, and so forth, but it no longer touches who I am in my essence. It doesn't take away the joy of my being me. Whereas before, when I was so caught up in emotion to where I identified it, then, as you mentioned, that became my story, and uh, well, just my story was a disaster. Right, exactly. So, so what we're saying here is that it is possible to have emotions and not identify with them and not be controlled by them. You know, we live in a world where it seems to me, and I, I could be wrong here, if there's a loophole here I'm missing, uh, uh, please you know, write me or email me or call me and let me know, but I... I, I think that in our religions, in our traditional religions, and even in a lot of the New Age thought, and in our politics, and in our social mores, and in our cultural values, we're in every one of those areas, we're being told, don't feel. Because if you feel, you might become whiny, and, and, and you know, you might just be overwhelmed by your feeling, and they will take you down the river, and then there you're gone. And so on the other side, then we've got people who feel completely and they are controlled by their emotions and, and are completely reactive all the time. So this whole thing about emotion is such a big, big deal. And yet it really is, um, it isn't. These emotions can lead us to our authenticity, but they are not in and of themselves our authenticity. Yes, this is absolutely right on, Andrea. Absolutely right on. It's why I wrote the book, Lessons in Loving, A Journey into the Heart, which is an audio book from Namaste Publishing, uh, publishers of Michael Brown and Eckhart Tolle, um, because the story of the little prince is precisely one of beginning to realize that he had grown up in the grip of a boa constrictor that had squeezed the vitality, the life, the essence out of him. And he grows up and ends up crash landing in his plane in the Sahara Desert, a thousand miles from anywhere, and he's got only eight days of water. And this little fella from an asteroid appears to him, the little prince, and they begin a journey together in which he is led into feeling all of the pain of his crushed past, experiencing it, coming to the point where he thinks it's all over. He just can't make it through this. And then this incredible answer that comes of the well they discover right there in the Sahara, brimming with water of life. And this is the spiritual journey. I wrote the book, Your Forgotten Self, with the subtitle, Mirrored in Jesus the Christ. It's a Namaste publishing book. Um, Eckhart, oh, we, we have to take a break. All right, and we're going to be back in just a few moments with more from David Ord about the presence process. Stay tuned. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. 
SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA is life-changing. SkillsUSA is awesome. SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at skillsusa.org. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. You live for the first in your child's life. But how do you cope with the first that come after your child is diagnosed with cancer? CureSearch.org connects you to the doctors and scientists whose collaborative research has turned childhood cancer from a nearly incurable disease to one with an overall cure rate of 78%. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with the final segment of our show today. With uh, We're talking about the Presence Process by Michael Brown, and we're visiting with David Ord on that topic. And... Uh, We've been talking about how people begin to emotionally integrate, and we've come to understand that the emotions uh, can be viewed as an observer and experienced but not identified with. We've come to understand that being present in the now is getting in touch with the core of who we are. And I guess when we get down to the core of who we are, we have to talk about that hero's journey, which is, as, as Michael put it, rescuing the child self. I want to talk just a little bit about that. Um, there's been a, started out in the 90s, people talking about um, the inner child, and, and then people began to poo-poo that whole idea of the inner child, and, oh, we don't need to be talking about the inner child. And, and I th- but I think that any process of integration is going to encounter our small self, as I would put it, the part of us that isn't yet evolved into uh, um, complete maturity or 
um, an identification with what society would call complete maturity. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that. What, what does that mean to rescue the child self? Well, we have to be very careful here that we don't mix this up with the kind of teachings that were given a number of years ago by people like John Bradshaw. Uh, and many other books. I, I read quite a few of them at the time about our wounded inner child and how we've, you know, I, little David here, he's been hurt and I need to take him out for an ice cream and treat him with kid gloves and all of that. This, um, this is completely unhelpful and not at all what Michael is talking about. I don't have a, a wounded inner child. Thank you. What I have is a lot of unresolved emotions from childhood that have never developed and matured beyond that childish stage. So the very whole thing of the wounded inner child teaching is actually falling into the trap of being immature and failing to grow up and feeding that childish state by treating it with kid gloves. The presence process does the opposite. It doesn't treat us with kid, kid gloves. And just before the break, I began to mention about the book, uh, the, the Namaste book I wrote, Your Forgotten Self, which does the same as the story of the little prince that we're blogging about on the Namaste site each day. And that is that in the story of Jesus, the disciples get dropped on their heads I mean, into an absolute cesspool of emotion. Their lives fall apart. Simon Peter is just enraged that Jesus would drop them on their heads like this right when he had a chance to create a revolution and change everything for everybody. And he just drops out of sight. Mm -hmm. And he is enraged to the point of denying he even knows him. So then they are left in utter confusion until there begins to arise with them, within them a sense of who they really are prior to all of this hurt. So it's only by entering into the hurt, the Good Friday experience or the crash in the desert experience in the terms of the little prince, the hero's journey, whatever language we want to use for it, Eckhart Tolle, the pain body. We have to, we have to enter into that and put that little space around it and become observers of it, and then that pain begins to integrate. So now, where my emotions were stuck at a childish level, immature, they begin to grow and develop. And now I can feel the difference between actually feeling and emoting. There is a world of difference between a mature person who can feel. The illustration I've used sometimes in in my blogs and books Let's say you are a couple, and you have children, and you've gone out for a romantic night together. You've got a sitter. The kids have been put to bed, and you're on your way home. You're looking forward to a romantic interlude, and on the way home, the subject comes up of which school are the kids going to go to next year? Can we still afford this school, or are they going to have to that one? Well, you end up in a big fight, and now when you're in bed, it's you on your side, me on my side, And don't you cross that no man's land in between. Don't talk to me. Don't touch me. What is really happening? Well, what's happening is unresolved emotional issues from our first seven years of our life are being replayed, re-triggered by the situation. That's the emotional reactivity of the little hurt childish aspect of us. 
The mature part of us, however, feels something completely different because feeling and emotion isn't the same. Feeling can generate emotion, but it isn't what emotion is. And Michael brings out the importance of feeling. What am I feeling at that time? Well, my emotional reaction is stay away from you. I hate you. I'm angry with you. I'm mad at you. But my feeling is I wish you would reach out. But if you do, I'll slap your hand back. Or if you say anything, I'll say shut up. You see, I, I know better at my feeling level, I, I want to connect. So that, that's, that's the work we have to do of getting into feeling. Now, I want to add something about feeling. It never stops. Many people get the idea that if they can just process all the stuff from the past, then they'll be pristine um, and there'll never be any problems anymore. Well, the fact is, emotional triggers are going to arise to the day we die. What happens is we become aware that that's exactly what they are. We see them as messengers of some unresolved part of us yet. Or we see them as an invitation to feel more deeply and to experience fully our feelings. Now, the amazing thing is, as we become a fully feeling person, the more present we become, the more emotional we are able to be. Um, the only thing allows it, that allows it to be safe to get close to another person is when you're so solid in the feeling of your own love and joy and peace that if they become reactive and a situation arises between you, you don't have to run to your corner or get in a fight. You can tolerate being a differentiated person which is the ability to be right there with them in that situation and not needing to run for cover and being able to stay calm and emotionally detached and yet profoundly involved. Right. Gosh, like, we've just opened up a whole can of stuff there. Yeah, there really <laughs> is a whole can of stuff. Yeah, I, I, so I guess a way of saying this is that a lot of our emotional reactivity is because we're acting the same way we did when we were little. That's exactly what it is, and we've got to confront those patterns, bring them into presence, and as we do so, life will, this is where Michael uses the thing of messengers, life will bring us the very situations that evoke, evoke those same feelings, so that now, instead of going ballistic, we can integrate them by simply being with them, observing them, watching them, and not reacting to them. Right, right. Yeah, and, and in the same way, uh, we can do, it's, it's kind of like you've given it a metaphor there, because it, you, what we can do externally, we can also do internally. If we can stand in the room with someone who is reacting to us and, and be with our emotions but not become reactive to that other person, that's the same thing we do when we have our internal uh, responses to our emotions, when we say, okay, I see you, I hear you, I'm sitting with you, instead of I'm letting you control me. Yes. And, you know, the presence process is the best way I know for a person to really get to this place to where they can be with someone else who's losing it. And it not only doesn't wound them, it doesn't even nick them. And I just want to mention, if anyone has not read David Snarch's books, uh, Passionate Marriage and uh, Intimacy and Desire, they show you how to do this in relationships. Absolutely, they do. 
All right. Well, David, thank you so much for being on the show today and for talking to us about Michael's work, and, and I really, really appreciate that, and I'm sure our listeners do as well. So um, I really want I'm to very privileged to be able to do this. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And next week we're going to be talking, uh, we're going to be following this discussion up with more on the process of discovering the authentic self. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be December the 8th. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.